The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Warning. The Outsider's Edge contains strong opinions, unconventional views, and contrarian stances. Listen, if you dare. Hey, yo! y'all you hear the sound of them sirens that can only mean one thing thank you for listening to another edition of the outsider's edge this is not your boy rance aka ray cash as you can tell because you hear my annoying ass dog in the background (laughs) this is mr kyle moores um rance and carl had some you know big boy shit going on rance couldn't join us he had to take care of himself carl couldn't join us he has to take care of his family so, you know, we're really lucky here at The Edge. We've got a really strong, extended family of uh, people that we can always call on when we are in need. And so I hit up the DMs, and I brought in two of our favorite guests. So with me this week, I've got Mr. Darren Mags Kirkby. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. It's been a busy, busy week for me. Uh, just glad to kick back and get some more Outsiders edging. Uh, we always love having you, Mags. Um, obviously, y'all know Mags does a million different shows, so I'm just going to wait and let him plug all his shit later at the end. Um, but I couldn't do this with just Mags as a special guest show. Um, I also had to bring in the commissioner, Mr. PC Tunney. How you doing today, sir? Oh, living the dream once again. Great to be back here on the edge. Uh, so thank you all again for coming in on short notice. I really appreciate it. You know, we didn't get to put a show out last week because we're some grown ass men and have some grown ass problems. So, you know, it is what it is. Uh, but we had to give the listeners something to this week with all of the different happenings that have gone on in the world of the grapples. Um, so, you know, a million different things to talk about. We're going to start with the actual in-ring product, you know, the actual shit that got us into this shit that, like, makes us pay attention to all of these different things. And we're going to talk some AEW Double or Nothing from this past weekend. They had one of their four annual big pay-per-view shows um, and had a lot of big matches, a lot of um, 
resolutions to some of the stories that they've been telling and a lot of new directions for some of the other stories they've been telling. You know, obviously, we're not a rundown show. Longtime listeners know that. So instead, gentlemen, give me, I'm going to start with you, uh, Mags, give me your biggest takeaway from the week, uh, from the show of the weekend and your favorite match from the night. Okay. Um, I think uh, you, you pretty much hit the nail on the head for me that it was the resolution of some, um, I mean, I rib on AEW um, for, for uh, some of their, their, uh, their actions and their decisions, but I also am happy to heap praise on them when they knock out the park. And I think this pay-per-view knocked it out of the park for me. Um, there are a couple of things on it that, Maybe was a little bit sketchy, especially being from someone from my side of the pond and the whole kind of Cody, Anthony Agogo thing. But uh, taking that kind of out of the picture, I thought that this was arguably their best pay they've ever put on. Um, it was it flowed really well. Um, everybody got enough time uh, to really kind of uh, show what they're doing uh, and show their talent. We got some uh, hints at face turns. We got some uh, some crazy hairstyles with the books. Uh, yeah, we, we pretty much had everything in this in this paper. It was it was a a three to four, what nearly four hour paper, but it was one of those that that kind of just flawed. And by the time it came to the end. It was like, damn, where did all that time go? And you just really enjoyed it. Um, for me, the best match was actually on the on the the pre-show, the uh, the buying. I thought that um, uh, Serena Deeb and Rio kicked ass, absolutely kicked ass. Um, Serena really- Deeb just continues to show how underappreciated she is. Like she is just solid. Anytime you call her number. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff was a little bit telegraphed, uh, but if you were going to uh, start a pay-per-view off, that's exactly how you want to do it, get get uh, the crowd hot. Uh, but then going into the main card, there wasn't a bad match. I mean, even the Cody versus Anthony Gogo, dis- despite the the build-up to it and the, the, uh, the, the finish that really shouldn't have happened, even that was a decent match. I mean, Cody's obviously a three-star uh, king, and I would definitely give that three stars. But uh, yeah, I can't. I can't knock the pay per view. Uh, it was. I really, really enjoyed it. PC, how about you? What were your biggest takeaways? Favorite match? I caught everything up until uh, Stadium Stadium Stampede, and I did not watch the championship match uh, at the end of the night either. But I agree with Mags 100%. The way the pay per view flowed, the quality of the matches from the beginning until I I checked out, I thought was was really well. I, I'm a big Adam Page mark, so I'm looking forward Same. to him being the one to take that from Kenny Omega down the road. I like the match him and Brian Cage had. Uh, favorite thing that oh, happened... Shout out to Hangman for uh, becoming a father soon. Like, yeah. Props mm-hmm. to exactly. Hangman for entering fatherhood. He found his own cowgirl or whatever. So, you know, um, favorite favorite part of the pay-per-view is when Miro took the bag that had a fake snake in it and chucked it up the ramp. Uh, least favorite <laughs> part of the pay-per-view is when uh, Britt Baker... And 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 Sheeta both told me when they walked out of the uh, entrance ramp that what was happening. You know, Britt, you can't celebrate more on your way to the ring than your way out of the ring, because that was fucking disgusting. Everything else, mm-hmm. keep doing a great job. But yeah, that one was for me. Britt had the smile, and Sheeta had the tear, and I'm like, well, that's why maybe you're not at the top of your game. Yeah, um, you know, with Britt, like. 
she's got character work down, but there are little things that she hasn't quite mastered. But I'm going to give her time because, I mean, you can only um, you can only be in a relationship with Adam Cole for so long Baby. and not absorb all of that uh, character work. She's come um, a long, long way. Don't get me wrong. She yes. is eons better than she was at the beginning of all yeah, of this. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. And she also will be the first to admit, you know, she gave that interview not too long ago where she talked about the women's division and she talked about with AEW, one of the unique issues they faced with their women's division was the fact that most of their women were experienced wrestlers, but they weren't experienced televised wrestlers. Mm-hmm. And it was for a lot of them, it was learning how to be on TV and learning, you know, where do you face the camera? And when do you face the camera? And when do you celebrate? And how do you get your character over in the way that you do at a live show? How do you translate that into also the televised audience? And you can tell with Brit, you can see that like evolution and like those moments where she's figuring it out as she's going and she's putting the little things together and where like honestly getting hurt ended up being really beneficial to her because it allowed her to just focus solely on her character. Let me yeah. get Britt Baker DMD over. And then when I'm healthy, I can worry about, let me get my ring stuff refined and corrected and do that right. Yeah. Um, but I would agree that that was probably my lull match. It wasn't my least favorite. My least favorite was the Cody match just because like, Fuck Cody Rhodes. Lol Cody wins. Yeah, LOL Cody wins. For real. Um, But, like, where that became egregious to me, it wasn't so much that I felt like a go-go is crushed by losing. I don't think a go-go is crushed by losing. But I think you had a really great opportunity to make him a bigger deal, number one. But to number two... Tell the same story you're trying to tell in a much more interesting way, at least in my opinion. Cody wanted to be the American dream for one night only and kept talking about one night only. I'm going to be the American dream. Cool. Have a go-go beat the shit out of your ass and then have um, uh, QT Marshall and the factory spend the next couple of weeks talking about how, Cody, the dream is fucking over. The dream is over. And then when Cody, like, recovers and comes back, you're right. The dream is over. Your nightmare has begun. And you really get serious. And you beat the shit out of, you know, you tell the exact same story that we know they're going to tell because, LOL, Cody wins. Cody always fucking wins because he's an attention whore and he's doing a Miz cosplay right now. Um, But I don't know. I just feel like that's a much more interesting way to tell that story. There's a couple things that bothered me from the match. Uh, Agogo had been using that 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 gut, liver, that bolo, body blow, yeah. bo- bolo punch, right? And just been using it to su- utter success, right? Cody takes three and wins, right? And then Cody mm-hmm. uses a vertebraker to win the match. Why is, where, where is that coming from? Like, and mm-hmm. not to mention, Agogo is getting trained up and, and turning himself into a, a quality wrestler, but he's not that experienced yet where that's somebody you want to be giving a vertebraker to. Like that move can really fuck you up if you're not intuitive to what you're supposed to be doing on the back end of that. So as much as I love the move, like when it happened, I was like, fuck yeah, I love that move. But like, why it doesn't, it didn't make sense storytelling wise, but that's kind of been the microcosm of AEW and their history up to this point. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely facts. Absolutely facts. I would say I agree that it was probably, I think it was probably their best show from start to finish in terms of being cohesive. Um, you know, I wasn't all that into Stadium Stampede, but that has more to do with, like, I'm over the feud. I I am totally against the idea that you build Blood and Guts up as this, like, big monster match and like it's gonna be like the old war games which is a feud ender and y'all used it as like the opener yeah and it's just like that that doesn't sit right with me you had the ready-made correct outcome of oh the inner circle must break up if this is if they lose and i get that aew is a faction company i'm not even saying inner circle must break up because they have too many factions Like, okay, you're a faction company, fine. But this faction has run into a great storyline opportunity for it to fucking conclude and for everybody involved to go on to other shit. And look good doing it. And in the case of Sammy and Proud and Powerful, they really need to go on to other shit because right now they're risking just becoming um, uh, faction lackeys. Like... They they've be they're utilized in such a way. Jake Hager is a faction lackey. That makes sense for this point in his career, for what he's capable of doing, etc. That makes total sense. He's a faction lackey. He's good to put one of the big, the main card people in your faction with as a tag team or as a muscle guy. Blah blah blah. That makes perfect sense. Wardlow being used like that right now makes perfect sense. You can see where they're building to other shit for Wardlow, but that's not <laughs> like that whole that all sh- makes fucking sense. Proud and powerful should not be your lackeys. Like Santana and Ortiz are too talented to be your lackeys. Well, as soon as uh the entire world gets vaccinated, uh, although that doesn't really matters to Jericho, but he'll be out on tour soon enough, so you'll see the rest of those <laughs> yeah. people, you know, moving on to other things. Yeah, yeah I forgot Fozzie's got to go make metal great again. And and I think Sammy's going to come out of this looking the best. I mean, he had a an amazing show in uh, Blood and Guts. He, uh, he he was probably the star of this this uh, this match as well. So they're really priming him to be a big time player. Uh, I do agree with you though that I, I can't stand how uh, LAX are getting uh, again used in in AEW. They they should have come in as one of the top tag teams. And, oh, yeah. And, you had whilst, Conan involved mm-hmm. in the stadium stampede match. And, <laughs> that, it, and it worked, but that it also was infuriated me. It worked, mm-hmm. but it also infuriated me because I'm just like, this is what Proud and Powerful are supposed to be. And, they and, are badasses that hang out with fucking Conan. Not... And, and let's not forget Sean Spears, who I thought in one point was going to break out and do a, a rendition of Chicago. When he was surrounded, <laughs> when he was in that, as Joaquin Phoenix's Joker in the Stadium Stampede match. Oh, I, I, it's I can't accept him being a badass. He just and I does, think he it doesn't that. work. No, but I think he knows that, which is I think why he was hamming it up so much, and like mm-hmm. that popped me. If for no other reason than I'm just like, yeah, this guy is like a mid-card guy, that's what he is, and there's nothing wrong with that. Every company needs that. He mm-hmm. occupies a spot that is necessary. He's a good veteran in terms of he's safe, he knows what he's doing, he can train the younger kids, he's someone you would want around the younger kids as far as, like, 
role model type behavior. He's not involved in controversies. He's company first, etc. Like, he's got a lot of strengths. But, like, nah, this is still the perfect 10 guy. Like, you, you're nothing about you, nothing about you from a presentation standpoint screams ominous menace. Could you kick my ass? <laughs> sure. But everybody on your roster could kick my ass. So, like, Marco Stunt? Not... I don't know. I think you got Stunt taken care of. I mean, I think the only thing I've got on Stunt is that I'm bigger than him. I have a surgically repaired knee that is, like, basically paper mache. I'm well, not should, taking no. You shouldn't be saying that out loud. I didn't say and, which and, one it was. And, and he's <laughs> knee high, so it, it just be yeah, in perfect you're ready to attack. Yeah, all, yeah exactly. <laughs> all he's got to do is just, like, headbutt, and it's done. Um, but, yeah, no, I can't take him seriously. Uh, my favorite match was probably also the Hangman match, mostly because I'm a giant fucking Hangman mark. Um, I thought the way that they used Leo Rush was a little weird. Like, you built him up as the Joker and the big reveal, which was good, and that made sense. And then you immediately just kind of had him chucked out by Matt Hardy's family. And I'm just like, I don't, what did you gain by this? What did he gain by this? Yeah, it seems like it may just be a one-shot from his uh, uh, New Japan deal. Um, yeah. I, was, I was actually surprised about uh, Jungle Boy being the winner. I thought it was tacked on that we were getting Christian as the winner. Uh, but I'm not mad at it because I think Jungle Boy has kind of gone off the boil since uh, since his time with uh, matches against uh, Jericho. I thought he would was primed for a push, and then he's, he's cooled down a bit, and this is kind of like the perfect time to, to bring him back up. So I'm, I'm glad that he he won the, uh, the Casino Battle Royale. Does he get to pick which does he get to pick which title he gets to go for? No, he will, they it's already well, announced uh, it. He is to me that two weeks from now, not not um, today, which is the the show will air on Friday, not tonight's dynamite, but Wednesday of next week, he gets the title shot. And see that Kenny that seems a little unfortunate because you get two weeks of buzz and that's it, and he's gonna get knocked down again. It's like, oh hey Daniel, here you go, and now here's the lion's den. I I see what you're saying, and I don't necessarily disagree with that point. Don't you think I that think it's a good opportunity to test him on the higher card you know you know what the result is going to be is the match any good how do the fans react what you know what do they do from here i think you're right in the short term in the sense that this feels real short term you're going to get a two-week pop out of this and like great whatever but the problem that mags pointed out is still a glaring problem if he has this match with Kenny Omega next week, and then they go back to just either not using him or go back to just using him as the tag team with Luchasaurus, then that really doesn't do anything for you. It doesn't mm -hmm. elevate him at all. It's just a thing that you got to feel good about for one week. Yeah, and, and it makes the winning the Casino Battle Royale pointless. I will say I think they did a terrible job of not explaining the rules of the casino battle royal but like explaining up front like who drew what suits why does it matter is there a time like they just kind of assumed everybody knew what was going on and it's like nah nah you need to explain it to everyone like they're four 
especially when uh, the last one that they, they did, it, it didn't kind of work perfectly. Uh, I understand that they want to stick with this kind of casino theme, but yeah, there's there's got to be an easier way to to have that that casino battle royal because the the convoluted uh, rules that they put in place and and the people coming out in groups and it don't that doesn't work for me. They do every idea. They do everything else yeah. that WWE does. Why don't they just call it the Rumble Royale and do the same exact fucking thing? <laughs> I mean, no, Le Royale Rumble. I had an idea that plays off of what they're trying to do with the casino theme and the groups. All right. Instead of having them all come out staggeredly in these groups of five, which just gives away that the match isn't ending anytime soon and doesn't do anything for anybody. Make it more gauntlet style. Each suit is its own mini battle royale. And then the winner of each royale plus the wild card face off in a five way at the end for the prize. And the wild card gets the unfair advantage of they didn't have to compete in a pre-suit match. I mean, I I like that, but there is one glaring issue with it. Uh, If you're in the first group match, you then have an extended break to then go away to come back for the the kind of like the the blow-off match. So uh, I think it'd feel a little bit stop-starty for me. I mean, I would, I, I don't, I would probably counter that with, you know, King of the Ring style. It doesn't have to all be one match at one time. It could be yeah. like, this is every, you know, every in between match is going to be a suit from the Casino Battle Royale. And then one of our mid card, ma- one of our late mid card matches will be the ultimate face off of the five for the title mm-hmm. shot. It doesn't all have to be centered around one singular 25, 30-minute block. I mean, it, it is workable. I mean, there, there is ways that we've had multi-man uh, kind of battle roles work before. Uh, it's just that this one, just it just seems a little bit jarring, like it's a version one of the idea, uh, and it yes. needs a little bit tweaking. This feels very much like beta testing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, V1, I see what you did there. Time yeah. did there. Um, so there's not really a good segue uh, from this topic to any of our other topics. Um, so at this point would probably be a good time for our first uh, potential ad break. So after the ad, we will come back and talk about these WWE releases and all of the crazy shit going on in Titantown. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey folks, PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net. This is your boy Kenny Killer telling you to make sure you check out thechairshot.com Bringing you breaking news, interviews, podcasts galore, everything pro wrestling Make sure you check it out, thechairshot.com Thechairshot.com Always use your head Yeah, speaking of using your head, y'all Like, whose head are they using up in Titantown right now? Because, like this shit is getting crazy. Um, 
as everybody knows, there were a whole boatload of releases this week, and it didn't start with the batch of releases on Wednesday. It started on Monday or Tuesday, was it, that they announced that Tom Phillips was let go. Mm-hmm. Well, and essentially, it started a few days before that when they announced Adnan Verk was let go. Well, that is true. Adnan Verk wasn't let go. Adnan, no, that was a mutual, mutual decision. decision. The, and, and I actually believe that because I, Adnan Burke is involved in a lot of sports casting mm-hmm. shit. So Adnan would have stuck on if the continuation of the Thunderdome would have happened, right? He does mm-hmm. not have the ability to travel. Like, I actually was lucky enough to have a small DM conversation with Adnan after he left. Um, you know, said, hey, loved your work. Hope everything's going great for you love to interview you sometime and he responded to me i appreciate your interest so much but between five jobs and four kids i just can't do anything else right now so he's a busy freaking guy uh jimmy smith is more of what they wanted anyway not to say that verk wasn't going to be really good in something different so that i just sorry for jumping in there i will and i will say this about jimmy smith um i was very much not on board with his hire not because of him as a person it has nothing to do with him as a person I wasn't a big fan of his commentary shit with American Ninja Warrior and UFC. I also wasn't a big fan of continuing to go outside of the pipeline that they've already got of play-by-play people um, to like go outside to these non-wrestling people. Because the thing is, with non-wrestling people, it's nothing against non-wrestling people as a concept, but that's hit or miss. You might get you might get someone who just naturally takes to it and is really, really good at it and adapts to the job. And you might get someone like, no disrespect to Adnan, someone like Adnan who you can tell was not familiar with the storytelling aspect of wrestling play-by-play as much as they were familiar with, like, calling things in front of them. Um. And so you never really know what you're going to get with outside people. But I will say this. Raw itself is still a dumpster fire, but Jimmy Smith did a pretty good job on Monday, all things considered. Like, it's hard to sell Raw right now. If you're watching any wrestling show and you're not watching it with the ability to fast forward through whatever you don't like and commercials and et cetera, you're doing it wrong. There really isn't a wrestling show out there that's excellent from beginning to end. I like to compare Raw and SmackDown to Saturday Night Live. We know what they are. Not everything is good, but if you tune in, I guarantee you there will be one or two things that you enjoy. And when you go in with that perspective, Mags, I think that's the best thing you can do mentally. Yeah, and and that's exactly what WWE is aiming for. They're not aiming to service one particular uh, group of fans all the time. They're, They're aiming to hit markers for every single fan. That's why they threw out so much content, because they want to envelop all fans that you might not like main roster, but you'll like NXT. You might not like NXT, but you might like uh, 205 Live. They want every single eye on the product. And if you don't think that that's the business model now, look at AEW. They do the same thing in terms of throwing content at you. They're going to be up to, once Rampage debuts, they're going to be up to four shows. They'll have Dynamite, Dark, Dark Elevation, and Rampage. Now, Dynamite and Rampage are the only two that are actually on television. So they're the only two that, like, the majority of the audience is going to, like, remember to watch or whatever. Oh, and they also do BTE, so that's another thing that they throw out there as content. 
The difference between what WWE is doing and what AEW is doing is most of AEW's content is the exact same. It's all the same. It's like dark is just nothing but matches and no like actual real storyline stuff. It's matches and promos in between like Ring of Honor. Um, I haven't even seen elevations yet because I just don't have time for extra wrestling programs in my life right now. You know, I, I watched the first episode of it uh, and didn't tune in after that. Go ahead, PC. I, uh, you know, they were also offered an extra hour for Dynamite on TBS, and they said no, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. I don't understand why yes. they're doing more more television yet, though, because I talked about this when it happened uh, on one of the chair shot radios I did. Is I bet you dollars to donuts deep down inside, if you put the truth serum in there and everything else that. WWE would tell you we would love to go back to two hours for Raw. But once it's out there, you can't go backwards. Once you create a revenue stream, you have to continue to supplement it. And if you don't and you cut it, it looks really weak for your brand. Oh, Mm -hmm. you know that they would because uh, Triple H has said in so many fucking interviews over the years that the biggest creative uh, obstacle they face Three hours With of TV Raw is the third hour is so fucking hard to book a third hour of a show mm-hmm. uh, because like, and you know that they know it's too long because even their fucking pay-per-views aren't three hours anymore. Y'all, which is if great. It's not SummerSlam or WrestleMania. We get that two to two and a half special. And I in love a, in and a out. good 7 p.m. <laughs> start with a two and a half hour special. Ooh, you mean to tell me I'll be out of this wrestling show by nine? 30? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I am here for that. And I, I think there's a, another uh, reason why AEW are, are throwing so much content out there. is They want to build up a back catalogue as quick as possible. Uh, they want to build up a back catalogue as quick as possible so they can have a stream. They can have uh, enough content to fill a streaming site because that is a huge revenue boost to them. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they're trying to make themselves as valuable as they possibly can because the more valuable they can make themselves, the more likely they can ask Time Warner at some point, hey, so uh, you want to put us on HBO Max? Like, just just put our catalog on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, just throw it out there for the subscribers. I don't know why they, they wouldn't. I definitely don't know why they wouldn't, right? I mean, I'm guarantee you, like AEW has such a like one of the best things about AEW for AEW itself is the hardcore collaborative of their collective oh, yeah. fan base, right? And I bet oh, you yeah. dollars to donuts, a lot of those people don't have HBO Max. You know, I, mm-hmm. and that could be a way to get them on there. Like, I sure as fuck didn't. Re- I would have never got Peacock if WWE Network wasn't on there. So yeah, I'm one of those weirdos that has everything, but I will say that like the best thing that's happening for them is on Wednesdays in their actual time slot, they are getting close to a million viewers or more than a million viewers consistently now. And if they can do that for a solid six months to a year and you can walk into a boardroom with the Time Warner executives and just be like, we get a million people who watch our shit every week. You moved us to a different network, and we still get a million people who watch our shit every week. You should totally put our shit on HBO Max. 
absolutely makes sense. And and then they, they can also say we have the catalogue to do that. The the YouTube channel suddenly gets stripped. Everything gets thrown on HBO Max. Yep. Every, everybody pays an extra ten dollars a month or or however much it costs, and and everyone's rolling in money. Yep. It's a win for it's a win for them. It's a win for HBO Max because it gives them guaranteed content. Like I, I see that as the ultimate end game. So like, of course, they're going to accept as much content as they're able to accept. And right now they're able to do it because, as we've talked about here on the edge, AEW's roster is just as bloated as WWE's. Well, They've got over 90 <laughs> contracted wrestlers. WWE ain't that bloated anymore. <laughs> no, they are not, you know? So going back to the crazy releases, um, last thing I'll say about Tom Phillips's release. Mm-hmm. I don't. I am not one of those people that's like, AEW needs to scoop up every available person. But if Tom is interested in staying in wrestling, I know he gave an interview um, it, this week to, I want to get the name of the podcast correct. You look it up and, um, I'll, and I'll tell you this. Tom Phillips would be a... Awesome. He'd be the best addition AEW could make uh, that out of anything they've already done in this year. Like the people they picked yes. up because their commentary team, while I love JR, is freaking horrible. It's unbearable, in my opinion. I, mean, I agree it, on all fronts. The name of the podcast, uh, the name of the podcast is Sports Media with Richard Deitch, and he was on the episode today with Jameel Hill as the other interview. So like. Um, and I know I haven't listened to it yet, but I know from the blurb that he talks about in the interview wanting to um, branch into traditional sports. Um, I, I have I actually have about 30 seconds of audio from uh, WWE when the cuts were happening, if you want to hear it. Yeah, I would love to hear it. This was backstage during the cuts of right right while it was happening. Screw you. You're fired. So I yeah, I, I got that. I can't tell you who I got it from, oh, but that's uh that's what happened. Um That's you know, hilarious. What Vince was standing <laughs> up next to his roster, coming down with an edge in his hand. What can you do? That's hilarious. Um so Let's go down the list of these people that were cut. I will go to everyone in the round table to get their thoughts on these releases. So there were a total of seven talents let go or six talents let go. Um, The releases were Santana Garrett, Mm -hmm. Lana, Ruby Riot, Buddy Murphy, Braun Strowman and some other guy. Um, I don't know his name. I've never heard this name before. So can somebody in the chat tell me who's Alistair Black? What name is, is he? That? What name is he going to be using now? Isn't he going back to? Uh... He's going back to Tommy End. But who's okay. Alistair Black? I don't know who I, that is. To- I also finish. He's called. I heard he's getting so to keep. For... I, I heard he's getting to take the music with him that they were going to give him. Actually, though. But no. But can anybody tell me who that and, is? And he said he said that music is better than his original uh, NXT theme tune. But y'all, if but you... y'all, I don't know who that is. Who is this? 
If y'all can't tell, this motherfucker's trying to drive me out to speak. <laughs> I didn't get on here to speak. I got on here to listen. But he's trying to draw, draw me out. So, hi, people at home. I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. I just... It is, it's, uh, it's hilarious that I always come on when I'm off at the time when you guys are about to shit on Alistair. It is an amazing kind of synergy there that I have with that young man. <laughs> I wasn't planning on shitting on him until I saw you on the call. I'm just going to be <laughs> perfect. I had no intention of shitting on him at all because, like, I don't shit on people who lose their job. I don't wish all that on anybody. Like, and, you know, Tommy End is a badass. Like, I, I'll be the first to admit it. Um, but no, let's go back to these releases, though, y'all. Like, there's some... There were some really big names on that list. Like, Braun Strowman wrestled Shane fucking McMahon at WrestleMania and, like, was... In the world title match two weeks ago. And was world champion six months ago. Mm-hmm. Lana think... was in a huge storyline with uh, with uh, the Survivor Series run. Alistair Black was given vignettes, which they don't do for people anymore, and didn't he literally beat the shit out of Rey Mysterio last week? Biggie. No, they did. Okay. Well, you know, with Braun Strowman, I think that if you took a graph and you had, you know, intersecting whatever uh, opinions or theories on it is talent goes one way and then the amount we're paying you goes the other way. And yeah. Braun's kind of met at the top of that, you know, crossing point. Whereas if he was making half a million a year, instead of 1.5 to 1.7, whatever number you want to talk about, he'd probably be there. Whereas Baron Corbin, I guarantee you he doesn't make a million dollars. He's still there. You know, and I have two different feelings about that. I have two different feelings about that. And they're complicated feelings because, like, Braun's kind of a dick. Like, but I still don't wish anybody to lose their job. But at the same time, you know, in terms of his high downside I always say two things. Number one, I always say take as much of Vince McMahon's blood money as you can get. Take every penny that you can take from that blood money billionaire. Do it, do it, do it. Same thing for Tony Khan. Take as much of that blood oil money as you can get your hands on. Fuck them. Also, something I say all the time in in Braun's favor in this regard, know your fucking worth. Know your fucking worth. You wouldn't have given me 1.5 million if I couldn't have asked for it at the time. Like, yeah, it's why I got cut now, but you gave me a big ass fucking downside because I told you I could walk and you said that you'd give it to me. So like, get your fucking money. Get your fucking if, money. If I may, and I, I really didn't intend on talking today because it's still kind of hard for me to breathe. But I do want to say, I think this is important for people who are upset today. And I'm one of them, very upset. But you have to remember, if this was a situation where there were no replacements for these people, they would never be cut. But there are tons of replacements for all these people. And there are only a handful of people that are irreplaceable in the WWE. And even time, this pandemic has shown us that they're replaceable. You think they can live without Roman Reigns. They did for a year. You think they couldn't live without Becky Lynch? They've lived that like that for two years. You think they couldn't live without Sasha Banks, Seth Rollins, Charlotte Flair, AJ Styles? All these people have been gone. 
Mm-hmm. Stone Cold so, Steve Austin. Stone Cold Steve Austin once literally walked out of the building in the middle of the home. show. It was just yeah. like, nah, fuck that. I'm out, dog. I am out. Stone Cold. And they still kept on trucking. The Rock, in the middle of his prime, was just like, yo, man, these movies, like, they make a lot of money, and I got to do way less work. So, like, later, (laughs) y'all. And they still kept trucking. John Cena, gradually, he did a little bit more gradually, but John Cena was still just like, man, these movies make a whole lot of money, and I ain't got to do nearly as much fucking work. Well, you're going to be seeing John Cena pretty soon. I'll tell you that. To, to his credit, he's the only one of the people we've named, well, not the older people we've named, who still loves it enough to want to sacrifice for it. Mm-hmm. The rest of the guys don't love it enough to want to sacrifice for it. They'll come back. Just It's one thing, Cena and Jericho were always on the same plane, and Batista, to his credit, that if they were there, they were going to be 100% in. The other guys don't. Like Rock, when he comes back, it'll be for a one-off. Or he'll do three Raws in a row, and then you won't see him for this, that, and the other. Jericho, Cena, and Batista do the house shows. They ride the roads. They do the media. They do everything because that's who they are, and they, and they love it enough to do that. Jericho did only house shows for, like, what, four or five months? Six months or so. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's totally fair. That's totally fair. You know, Mysterio, to his credit, is the same thing. You know, well, every time he comes back, he does yeah. all the shows. This time and he came back for his kid. He's not looked at in the same, the same light as those guys. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately. he might not be looked at in the same light as those guys, but be. I bet you he got, he doesn't have the same money as those guys, but I bet you he got enough money that he ain't got to do it if he don't want to. Facts. Like, well, I'm not saying he's looked at legacy-wise in the same way, but if you combine his, if you combine the money he made from Lucha Libre, the money he made from Turner during the WCW, we'll just give you a check years. And the money he's made from merchandising, it, like I guarantee you, he makes enough that if he wanted to, he could just be like, "Man, I ain't got to do these house shows." I would imagine I, Ray Ray makes more money than you would think because mm-hmm. Ray is way more oh, important to match. Vince than you would think because not only the merchandise, but he gives you a whole nother uh, culture, a whole nother group, a, a whole nother audience. Right? He brings the whole Latino yeah. crowd into it. He is what I I have said it time and time again. He is one of, if not the greatest luchador. Oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't think it's a question. Like, it, it, it goes to show. It goes to show though with the cut of Braun Strowman that every wrestler has a dollar amount attached to their name, and if you aren't earning that company more than that dollar amount, you're going. It's as simple as that. I mean, Braun Strowman was a WWE guy from day one. This guy didn't do indies. This guy didn't uh, uh, travel uh, uh, the world to, to to learn his craft. He has learned WWE style, and that's it. And he's been cut. So there is nobody whose head would not be on the block if they don't earn money for WWE. I'll say this, though. I'll say this, though, for Braun Strowman. He only needs to travel to one place and one place only. I, for one, would be totally here to see Braun Strowman in the G1 Classic. Correct, Shouty. Big, yeah. big country, Adam Schiff. Yeah. So yeah. I get, I get me some big country as the guy Jim bastard. I could tell you that Andrew Belaz 
shit all over Braun Strowman going to New Japan last night. So of course he would, but of, of course, course balls did. would. Yeah, I did. I think if if they could throw enough money his way, NWA would be a great place for him to go for a few months. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, I just see. I well, just see his. Does he have the Does he have the wrestling chops for NWA though? Does he have to no, really? NWA give a shit about the wrestling Japan chops right either. now. No, but in New Japan, there's there's enough workers who could could get a good match out with me. I mean, these guys got good matches out of the likes of uh, Michael Elgin and Lord Tenzar. They could get a good match out of uh, out of Braun Strowman. That's but fair. in the NWA, he would need to have wrestling chops. In the NWA, they could use anybody that has a name that could make people watch, I mean, watch the that NWA. That is that is also true. That is also and, very true. And Tony will appreciate this. I think so much of our so much of the issues we have as a collective fan base of wrestling are self are are from ourselves. And what I mean by it is this: we treat it so differently from every other medium that's similar to it, and it is different. But if we looked at wrestling. And these situations, much like we look at like sports, like Tunney, how many times have we seen the best player on a sports team that makes all this money and literally is the whole reason they're he's the catalyst for their bet for why the team is so good get cut or traded just because of cap casualties, right? Jo- Joe Montana won four Super Bowls and they're like, oh yeah, we got your replacement right here, big dog, appreciate it. You know what I'm saying? It happens all the time, but when it happens in wrestling because we're so attached to the people in a different way we look at it as oh it's this big tragedy and it is nobody should ever lose their job but um i can't remember which one of y'all just said it but talent versus output that's any business in the teaching business in the tech business in the sports entertainment business if i'm not make if i'm not adding up to what i'm making they're going to look at what i'm doing and revisit so i don't think it's I think that's part of the problem, absolutely. But I think there's also the other thing is we are not used to them cutting names that we recognize anymore. That's true. Like, that's true. like if I look at the list, if I look at the list, the only there are three names on the list that like four names on the list that surprised me. Braun, Alistair, Ruby Riot, and Lana surprised me. No disrespect to Santana Garrett or Buddy Murphy. No disrespect to. Uh, a mild disrespect to Santana Garrett because things that I've heard about Santana Garrett as a person, she seems like a shitty human. But, um, like, no disrespect to them from a talent perspective, but if we just look at the way that they're utilized and creative and blah, 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 Santana Garrett has not literally sat in catering, but she's basically sat in catering for the last six months. Healthy. They've just Longer. never fucking used her. Longer. Like, just never fucking used her. For whatever reason, there could be lots of backstage reasons we don't know about. But the point is, she's been with them forever and they're not using her. So like her being cut, not a shock. Buddy Murphy, ever since they split him up with Seth Rollins and then didn't have anything for him to do. They've not really been utilizing him. He'd crop up here and there for things, but they're not there was no actual direction for Buddy Murphy right now. So, like, seeing that name being cut, I'm just like, man, that's a shame. He has a lot of fucking talent, and, like, that's kind of a wasted potential, but, like, I, I'm i not shocked, shocked. So so what was the direction for Ruby Wright, then? Because she was pretty much exactly the same. They have no women's, they like they her. Have no women's tag teams, and she's good, and they like her. No, absolutely. I mean, that's all it is. But, Buddy Murphy's a talented guy, uh, and um, this is not disparaging Ruby Wright's talent, but they split up the tag team that she was in 
just to go back to it six months later and then do nothing with it anyway. Yes, she was getting TV time. Yes, she was getting pay-per-view time. But in terms of uh, a continuous story, she was. She may as well have been Buddy Murphy. I think they oh, believe it. Wrong. I just think they lacked women's tag teams so badly that I didn't see Lana or Ruby being let mm-hmm. go because I'm just like, they desperately need women's tag teams on the main roster. And these two are like in frequently used and recognized women's tag teams. Right yeah, now. I mean, I'm not saying that I wasn't shocked that those two got released. I absolutely were because like like I said, uh, SmackDown especially has very a very thin uh, women's roster. But I, I can, from a, a standpoint of them being utilized, I can see why Ruby was let go. Lana, maybe uh, not so much, especially with the storyline that she had uh, at the end of last year. Uh, and you would think that she had enough uh, of a fan base that she was valuable to the company. Um, so that I, I can't fully wrap my head around. But again, if she's on a, a big deal and she's not drawing in uh, the, the revenue to, to cover that deal, heads on the chopping block. Go ahead, PC. Speak, well, speaking of Lana, you have to remember, Lana is legitimately a working actress outside of wrestling. So when she signed with WWE, I'm talking back to FCW NXT years, she was already a known commodity. She's been in multiple movies. She just had a starring role with Bruce Willis in a movie. She is a viable entity outside of WWE, so that brings a little more drawing power to the table. So I doubt, I don't doubt she makes more money than someone of her ilk should. And by ilk, I mean talent level, time wrestled, time in the company and whatnot, because it's not what you were worth, it's what you can negotiate. Mm-hmm. Um, Ruby was the shock, I think, because she's one of the most loved wrestlers, not on the roster, but in the company, in the world, and in the company. But to the point of both of them, and Santana to a lesser extent, the way WWE runs their women's divisions on the main roster is mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. I, I, I understand if you got an overflow and a surplus of wrestlers on NXT that needs to be called up. I get that. I'm just talking about the ones that are on TV, not even the ones that haven't like started. I'm with that. If you need to clear the, clear the, the cupboard to bring up some new cups, I you can talk me into that. But you have to prove to us that you can use them when you have them. And I'm not saying Ruby Riot should have been a four-time women's champion, but Ruby should have been used. I'm, I hate the word better because that's so subjective, but she should have been used in more consistent ways. I will say that. Also, the tag team with her and Liv, again, I hate being used better, but it feels odd that they're the longest tenured, only real tag team from be- from the very beginning, and they never to had the point a that they had out. matching fucking gear. Mm-hmm. Well, they, they debuted together. Remember that they on, they debuted together. The rest of them were they are t- two people that have joined together with a common bond and have made it work. But Ruby, Liv, and Sarah debuted as a group. People who never watched NXT don't know anything else other than the Riot Squad with those three women. So it's a little mind boggling for her. Also, because since you've you've trimmed the fat and got rid of the lower end of the group, you need someone who can run. She essentially should have and could have and was the Drew Gulak of the women's division in that she don't need much time. She don't need much of a push, but she's always going to be there because she's so important to the good of the company 
for helping younger women, walking them through matches, can take a pin and still come back the next week and be viable. So I think that's why that's more of a shock than Buddy, because while Buddy may be top 10% of the roster from talent perspective, you can replace him like that. You can't find too many more Heidi Lovelaces. Go ahead, PC. You guys forget that Vince really doesn't give a shit about the men's tag team division, so I wouldn't be surprised about not giving a shit about the women's tag team division. Um, I think they might be ready to give Liv a singles push. We know that they've spent more time with her and given her more things than a lot of the other women. She has her own special on WWE Network before. Um, As far as the rest of them go, none of them were being used consistently, so it shouldn't be a surprise except for Braun. And, you know, I think that's a money thing as well so you can you can always find the next big guy right it's not like braun was somebody that you couldn't replace but i am not surprised by any of it really that's just the way the wwe rolls uh they're clearly getting set up to uh, least likely in my opinion bring up a bunch of people from nxt that's my least likely opinion of why this happened uh next would be they're going to put out another round of stock and they want to make the company look as good as possible. And I really think that's the most likely thing in the middle lies is WWE looking to sell. I think WWE mm-hmm. and Vince have been looking to sell ever since he got his first TV contract with USA. How many ever fucking years ago? It's just, when is the number going to be right? Well, and that I, that's what I want to come back to. I want to come to that. Let's shift the conversation to that because I, I saw a lot of people talking about the sale rumor. And before we get to the why, people think it's potentially being set up for sale. Um, I want to counter against this narrative I'm already seeing where people are assuming that if they sell the company, it's because it wasn't doing well, or it's because viewership on Raw is down so much, and it's a failure if they sell. No, bitch. No. This is a company his daddy started as a carny industry, and he's about to make... He bought this company for $1 million, and he's looking He's about at... to sell it for tens of billions of dollars. Correct. Correct. And, and I mean tens of billions with a B, because mm-hmm. if you just look at TV revenue streams alone, they've got a billion-dollar deal from Fox and two separate billion-dollar deals right now from NBC Universal, plus their... Uh, multi-million to billion dollar deals with overseas um, streaming and television rights in the various markets. Like they're worth tens of billions just in television revenue contracts. The Fox and- US, the Fox, sorry, Meg, so this is quick. The Fox <laughs> deal for SmackDown, the universal slash USA deal for raw and the WWE library content for Peacock, which was a freaking robbery because they get everything back in five years and they don't have to run their site anymore. It's rental. It's rental. That's they a, rented it for a billion dollars. That's $11.5 billion altogether. And if you want to come on here and tell me any other wrestling company is better than WWE and anybody else is a better businessman than Vince McMahon in the, in the, in the realm of sports entertainment, I'm going to ask you to get out of the basement and stop smoking crack with your grandma. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Go ahead, Max. No, absolutely. Go, Max. Uh, and and that's just um, localized um, TV deals for, for in the United for, States for the states. The the worldwide deals that they've got, 
I would not be surprised if it doesn't at least match that, if not eclipse it. Then you think of all the other revenue deals that, that WWE have that that nobody even thinks of. The can the licensing and and the toys, the 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 sponsorships. This company all makes money hand over fist. Have, well, in all of the accounts that they have for things, you know, one thing people take for granted is like people who monetize things like YouTube and Instagram and shit like that. Any accounts that WWE has for all those things are monetized. They're getting mm-hmm. revenue from having a Facebook account. They're getting revenue from putting content on YouTube. 20, They're getting revenue. The, the last uh, quarter, they got $25 million just in revenue from YouTube. And that's putting up clips of product that they already own and people watching it, what they've televised. already been watched. And it's an extra $25 million. It's it's and for the video production team and for the video production team that they have, it takes less than 30 seconds Mm -hmm. to put these clips together because within the same runtime of the show that they aired on, they will be on the YouTube channel. Clip, 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 clip. By the next commercial break, that shit'll be on the YouTube channel. Correct. So like this is the. I just want to, like, before we even get to the why people think they could be for sale, because there are legitimate reasons. If you look at some of the things that have been going on behind the scenes, there are definitely legitimate reasons why people may be under the impression that they're trying to make themselves really attractive for a sale. Or, like PC, you said, another very likely idea they're getting ready to push more stock out and they want to increase the value of the stock portfolio. Like, there are a lot of valid reasons to look at a lot of the things that they're doing right now and think either of those scenarios. But none of those reasons are because, oh, the ratings are down so bad and the company's falling apart and it's dying. And if they sell, it means that they failed. Nah, nah. If you get bought by NBC Universal or the House of Mouse, because let's be real, those are the only two that are like fiscally probably in that bidding war. I would say the only entity involved with WWE that actually gives a half a shit about ratings is Fox. USA doesn't even fucking care. USA has already made the mistake of letting Raw go somewhere else and had to have it back. Right. I mean, that makes their company more valuable no matter what. And they're in bed with Peacock already. The whole thing. I mean, Fox is the only one that cares about ratings. And that's why most likely Pat McAfee is your commentator on SmackDown. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, I think that's 100 percent why Pat's the commentator on SmackDown. I think it's fine because Pat's doing a pretty good job. I agree. Like, I knew and I knew he would be fine. Like his podcast is good. Like he knows he has presence. And that's something that you can't teach. He has presence. Well, he knows when to shut up. Yes. Yes, that's also something that you can't teach. He knows when to just, you know what? Cole's got this. And, and, for, and for a loudmouth guy, you know, like someone that is uh, uh, very boisterous and things of that nature, uh, that's a fucking amazing thing to have and let pe- and let people notice about you as well. He has an under He has an underrated level of self-awareness. And, like, awareness of his weaknesses. And the opposite of Adnan, and I know it's a different role, but Pat McAfee's been a wrestling fan his entire life. And at the time that he, by the time he became a commentator, Pat McAfee was a wrestling fan who had actively had wrestling matches and been in wrestling angles. Mm -hmm. Like, 
by the time he took this commentary job, I had long stopped considering him a celebrity wrestler, even though he absolutely is a celebrity wrestler. But it's like, no, 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 no. Pat McAfee is a wrestler who happens to be a celebrity, not a celebrity wrestler. Um, And that's a fine distinction, I think, because like, I look at anything he gets involved with differently. I don't look at it as, oh, this is inherently a celebrity thing that I need to look at from a celebrity standpoint. I look at it as like, oh yeah, he's a talent that you have that is really fucking good and that you can use in more ways than you're currently using him. And I do think that's a Fox call. Your level of disbelief, your your level of suspension of disbelief does not drop whatsoever when Pat McAfee comes on, regardless of what role. It actually increases somewhat. Yes. Yes. And, and he brings ours. The fact is, he brings ours from uh, potentially a non wrestling world to the show. Well, and as a air quotes legitimate athlete, because he was not just an all pro punter, like he's one of the best players at his position in Can, the last 50 years in the NFL. Do you know the story? And, do you know the story about how Pat McAfee got to West Virginia? No, I don't know that story, but I'm I would love to hear it. So, Pat McAfee growing up was the guy that always did whatever he wanted, right? You know, he was the cra- he's still the same person. So, yeah. he was playing in a card game one night and won enough money where he could go down and win like a punting contest or kicking contest, and he bought tickets without telling his parents, went down, won it, got offered a scholarship to West Virginia because of it, stopped playing soccer. He had Division 1 soccer scholarships. And went to West Virginia to punt. That's how that happened. He went and won enough money in a poker game, booked a flight the next day, went down, won a competition, and got a scholarship and completely changed his sport. And yes, he's on the all-decade team from the 2010s. He's one of the greatest punters in NFL. He'll be in the NFL Hall of Fame. Facts. Big facts. And for anybody who's wondering why he would change his sport like that, there's a huge difference. As someone who's spent a lot of time within the realm of a D1 school, there's a huge difference in the amount of financial aid of a soccer scholarship versus the football scholarship. By being on the D1 football team of an at the time BCS school, sure. Um like that entitled him to a free ride and a whole lot of fringe perks that being on the soccer team at any school, even a soccer school ain't going to get you. Not in the United States, anyway. Where do you think this is all going, Megs? You think this is a sale? You think this is just trimming the fat? You think this is for call-ups? I mean, what it, what what is it? What what do you think it is? Because I don't I don't see Vince. I maybe the bigger question here, guys, is let's say they sell the company. Mm-hmm. Who's going to run the day-to-day stuff still? Are they still going to be the well, start so... of the storylines? Is it the board of directors they created? They added people to that. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of the bigger well, question. So let's give this some context. Well, let's give this some context and then we will go to Mags first. So <laughs> for context as to why, other than the releases, people think that the company might be for sale or there's something going on. They've had several waves of talent releases is the number one thing. But there's also been a lot of restructuring and um, what you would call within the business world, eliminating redundancy within a lot of the like behind the scenes aspects of the product a lot of the like production teams being consolidated or let go a lot of the video staff 
consolidated or let go, restructuring of the board. And Nick Khan being brought in, he had a reputation within the business world of being the type of person who facilitates sales and cutting assets. So all of those things happening at the same time have kind of given people the impression like maybe they're building up for a, like a potential sell-off. Um, the market is really hot. Disney and NBC Universal are both like very much in a like, let's buy as much content as we can. Let's get as much shit as we can mode and live sports are ready-made content. I heard Hulu has live sports. They do. I have the Hulu. <laughs> Max, that's a commercial here. I'm sorry. We don't have the Hulu over here. Yeah, I know what you're going to say. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you still have WWE Network. God damn it, Megs. Yeah, but now, how long far now do you think? If they're going to sell, I'm going to have to get Disney Plus. Or I'm going to... Oh, I'm Andrew, I have Amazon Prime, so if Amazon pick it up, I'm, I'm set. Uh, but, yeah, for me, the, big, the, the biggest factor wasn't actually what happened with WWE. It was the uh, the, the Amazon and MGM deal getting way through. Um, that $8.5 billion deal, if a man like Vince, whose first love is always money, if he hasn't seen that deal and thought, I want a piece of that, I, I, will, I will eat my hat. The, then if it was just wrestlers, I would have uh, probably just thought it was the kind of uh, an extended annual cull for, for WWE. But it's the fact that it's bringing in guys like Nick Khan, getting rid of uh, guys like George Barrios, um, amalgamating the, 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 the backstage departments, putting more uh, work onto one person and, and then cutting jobs. It, it just feels like such a streamline to, uh, to, um, to boost WWE's uh, revenue over expenditures to make them feel like a more profitable uh, streamlined company. And it's a, it's a seller's market right now for, for content and for live content especially. People are throwing ridiculous numbers. And like I said, MGM got $8.5 billion from Amazon. What 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 could Disney offer WWE? I mean, Disney could look at WWE and, and say, we can market the shit out of WWE. We can sell everything WWE branded. And more and importantly, and more importantly, <clears throat> Disney can Disney can go to WWE and say, your TV deals are worth how much? <laughs> yeah, we got that. Hey, here's the cash. Yeah, they're worth how much? Oh, that's eleven point six. Uh huh. Okay. Uh huh. Bill. Yep. Yep. No problem. Here you go. Well, Disney's likely as well because they're already in bed with Fox. You know, the Simpsons are on on there. Um, we talked about this on Bandwagon Nerds. There's a little cheap plug. Uh, band, check out Bandwagon Nerds. Great podcast. Uh, uh, everything entertainment over there. But you're going to see – we were wondering when Amazon was going to pick up their movie studio, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Peacock has Universal. Uh, HBO is working with um, – I'm still waiting for HBO is Time Warner. Time Warner. HBO is Time Warner. Yeah. I'm still waiting for Netflix to just buy one of the smaller studios. That, like I'm that, waiting for Netflix to like buy Lionsgate or one of the like medium sized studios. Well, what if CBS and Paramount worked with Netflix, right? I mean, you're gonna. So the rumor actually, the rumor is that CBS Viacom is gonna merge with NBC Universal. 
And maybe that's going to be the boost they need to compete with Disney to take that part of the company. I, you know, the funniest, weirdest thing, and I doubt this could happen, is what if Vince sold the main roster and kept NXT? He said, here, I'm going to sell you Raw and SmackDown, <laughs> but NXT is still mine. And then him and Triple H take NXT to be bigger than anything ever. Evo. No, no, but speaking of NXT, but speaking of NXT, for the sake of brands like NXT and for that aspect of the business model, you want it to be Disney instead of NBC. Do you? Because I'd rather yeah, see the yeah. Attitude here's Era than say, the PG yeah. Era. Well, no, but here's why I say you want it to be Disney. Disney understands the value of live show revenue stream. Disney understands that sometimes it's okay to run a touring show at a loss because of the way that it helps other aspects of like merchandising and intellectual property and shared universe storytelling. Sure. It's like putting out it's, peanuts and pretzels on the bar for free, right? Exactly. So Disney as a company is more likely, if they were to buy a company like WWE, Disney is more likely to accept a rationale of why do we have this performance center and this NXT show that's like losing us money and like listening to the business model of, all right, so yeah, we run this as a loss, but here are the ways that it helps us generate other revenue streams and how it contributes overall to what we do. Let me just drop this to you, Megs. Wouldn't you like to see another change in attitude? Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! I would. <laughs> I mean, um, you you could easily see um, Disney put a wrestling ring in uh, Walt Disney World and have an audience there, and it is part of the show. Disney, well, Disney would buy full sale. I've already said this. The WWE, yeah, Hall, the WWE Hall of Fame should be where NXT is. It'll go in Hollywood Studios. It'll go in Hollywood Studios at Disney World. No, no, because because this is the best place to have your people that are in NXT, and there's a bunch of them that aren't on TV that no one knows about. So three times a week, you can go visit WWE Hall of Fame, and you can see matches from people you've never seen before that are on NXT, and they get to perform for live crowds. It's a no-fucking-brainer. Yeah, and and when they are, uh, you get the 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 new uh, performance center trainees. Just st stick them in a goofy costume, have them walk around two jobs for two jobs for the price of one. Do you know why Minnie left Mickey or Mickey left Minnie? I'm sorry. I okay. Don't know if I've got to hear this terrible joke. You don't know why Mickey left Minnie? Well, she was fucking goofy. Somewhere Clive is laughing in a corner. I think I think Clive has told that joke before. <laughs> I gotta meet the, I gotta meet Clive. You would love Clive. Um, yeah. no, so I think to answer your question, PC, because you asked a really interesting question <laughs> about the day to day aspect. I had two thoughts. The first thought is if Vince sells this company, which I think he absolutely would fucking do in a, in a country minute if the price was right, I still think to myself, though, a small part of Vince is the type of person who's just like, this is still the family business that my dad started, and I'm not going to sell it to you without a buyback clause that lets my kids take it back if you decide you don't want it anymore. I, I don't think that, that Steph... Is is as hardcore as uh, into owning a company like Vince. I don't think and she necessarily is, but I think she's married to the money. I, she, I mean, her, her and Shane are not. 
trusted. <laughs> no, I'm going a different way. Shane and Stephanie <laughs> would like to retire at some point. Vince would like to live uh, for the next 5,000 years and have 5,050 years of WWE content and storylines behind him. You realize, mm-hmm. I, I need people to understand that what Vince McMahon does is he takes real-life people and he molds them into these characters that he wants to see in his own personal play. And that's how it mm-hmm. happens. He's good to people that he thinks are cool and he wants to hang out with. He's not great with people that aren't good with him back you necessarily the way he wants to be. You know who's going to take this the hardest? Legit. Paul. Because Triple H don't want to retire. He wants to be like Vince and be in this shit forever. So when and, so and, when and, Vince and... is ready, so when Vince is ready to cut bait and sell, I feel like Stephanie will be like, "All right, cool, I can deal with that." Shane will be like, "All right, cool, I can deal with that." I feel like Hunter just will be like, "What you mean, sell? What am <laughs> forever I going to do now?" What one lonely tear rolling down <laughs> yeah, forever Michael alone? Jordan tear. The Michael <laughs> Jordan tear. Vince sells WWE six months later. Paul Levesque has been playing WWE 2K general manager mode for six months. <laughs> I mean, I, I could, if there was a sale, I could see Triple H being the transitional um, uh, figurehead for the company. But can't they still put it, you have a board of directors, right? This happens a lot where a company will sell to another company and in it will say for the next However many years, our board of directors are in control <laughs> of the company and what happens inside of it to a certain extent. You could also do, well, they could also do, here's another thing that we're not even thinking of, and yet another reason why you want it to be Disney. You know what company Disney bought, but is still creatively in control of itself? Marvel. Oh, Marvel, yeah. Well, yeah, to to an extent. Marvel, well, in terms of their actual, like, not so much Marvel Studios, like, I know Disney pretty much, you know, kind of has a huge hand in that, but in terms of comic Marvel, the like actual thing that Marvel does, like they are still very much creatively in control of their own content. They get to choose what stories they want to write. They get to still write things that are graphic and violent and blah, 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 blah. Like they still have generally complete control over the comics division of their IP. And and if they did buy WWE, it, it wouldn't necessarily make sense for them to have a, a huge culling of uh, of the board of directors anyway, because this is a board of directors that have overseen the most profitable time in WWE's history. It makes absolute sense to at least retain uh, the core of that to keep building, making that profit. You could turn them into a subsidiary brand of that of whichever company buys them and let them, you know, obviously they answer to you now. And that you're where the buck stops. It's not old man McMahon or whatever. Like you're the ultimate arbiter, but like in terms of just the general overall operations of what you're doing, like you do your thing. And as long as the number still looks good, I'm just gonna, you know, cash these checks. Laughing all the way to the bank. Yep. It's the same story. Mm -hmm. Every time. Yeah, I agree. Um, so the from sale rumors and all of these releases, you know, let's talk call up season. Um, you know, it would seem to me that they've got, you know, gaps, uh, on parts of the roster, uh, with some of the people that they've let go. It's <laughs> not got that a big seven foot two gap. 
It's not that people aren't replaceable. You're correct. Everyone is replaceable, especially big guys. You know, big guys are always replaceable because we don't ask a lot of them in the ring. We just ask them to be big and hossy. Um, but it's more a question of, so who you got replacing some of these spots on the roster? Nobody from NXT. You're going to see more. I, I a don't, personal I, thing? No, not at all. I, I just don't think that I, – I think you're going to see some other people that don't get as much time get more time. Um, I think you're, there's different – you're going to see a lot more – WWE has already made it public that they want to start pushing more international talent. So I think you're going to see those types on the main roster get pushed more instead of what you had seen because I understand – uh, Buddy Murphy, you know, the the whole um, Australian connection and things of that nature might have been different. But everybody else is pretty much, you know, maybe Santana Garrett, but everybody else is pretty much. Tommy you know, End is from the Netherlands, bro. Well, not the the average viewer is going to see a white guy. Oh, you're not. I'm not. I know what you're saying. I because know you're saying. his accent, when he talks, he talks like I talk without the Midwest accent. Right. When Buddy Murphy talks, you could tell he's not an American, you know, um, you're That's not just from America. Yeah, America. America. Fuck yeah. I mean, um, you it, know, go it ahead, man. It goes to show what. It goes to show what WWE actually must think of the Australian market because they could be yeah, yeah. Sorry, Megs. <laughs> I'm just saying it goes to show that the Australian market must not be huge for WWE because they've cut Buddy Murphy, who wasn't in any storylines anyway, and they cut the Iconics, yeah. who were uh. absolutely adored in Australia. So. Yeah, it, I yeah, don't think they like give a, a toss they, about the Australian market. The Iconics the are my... Aussies they still got are Rhea and... Is it Bronson Reed Aussie? Yeah, he is. Okay, yeah. Iconics are my favorite tag team of that aren't the Usos from the last five years, by the way. I like the Iconics if for no other reason than I love when somebody leans fully into the ham. Like, if yes. you're going to be hammy and crazy and over the top... Just go all the fucking way with it. It's why I love the Dark Order so much in AEW. Like, I love because it's just like, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous. But they have leaned full on into how stupid it is. And I'm just like, yes. Yeah, you're having fun with it. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to just have fucking fun. And when the Iconics were doing their thing, especially in NXT before they became a tag team. Yeah. Like they were just pure fun and you could tell they were having fun and you could tell that everybody backstage, like the other talents and stuff, you could tell they enjoyed it because they would have so much trouble staying in character when um, Billy and Peyton were doing their shit. And so it's just like, I love when they lean into the ham. I'll give you three people since I sidetracked right. us. I'll give you three people uh, that I think should come up to the main roster. Okay. Finn, Finn, Finn needs to come back up because he can, he can be heel or face and, and work with anybody. And, and they need that. Dexter Loomis, I think is a main roster guy. 100%. And now Don't that Andy Hartwell, well, you know, index will be fine. Uh there's no longer a green-haired woman on the main roster, so Shotzi could be on her way up. You know Vince doesn't like the same colored hair on, on, on the same shows, so it's a fact. I think Shotzi definitely, um, for sure. I think most of the, like, if people are going to go up, I think it'll be mostly women. 
because I feel like that's where there's more need for bodies, especially on SmackDown. It doesn't have to be a lot. It could only be like two or three, but like right now they've only got seven women and three of them are champions. So it's just like you need people to do things. Shy Lee could be on her way up yeah. shortly. She's getting the rocket strapped to her right now. So down in NXT. Io Shirai, Io Shirai was my was someone that I thought they should potentially bring up. Tony uh, Storm is is not an NXT style talent. She's a WWE talent. Oh, for sure, for sure. Is it wrong I mean, that I'm? Is it wrong that I'm not a fan of Tony Storm or Rhea Ripley? No, it's not wrong. It, everybody's entitled to like what they like. There's nothing right, but is it? But is it right? But Kyle, but Kyle, but Kyle, is it wrong? I don't think it's wrong. Okay. <laughs> it's Pride Month, and as the resident gay on the pod, I give you permission to be petty. I would. I. I wanted to, <laughs> and I honestly and sincerely, I wanted to make a point today to, and I don't talk to you often in person. I wanted to wish you a happy Pride Month, my brother. Well, thanks, buddy. You betcha. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I give you permission to be petty. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, I think someone who's ready made for the main roster, I know she just got to NXT, but she's ready made for the main roster is, um, Frankie Monet. Um, and I mean, that gimmick is fucking money, but if she goes to the main roster, they're going to send her to raw. Cause that's where John Morrison is. And they generally don't break the couples up. Like they have made it a point lately to try their best to not break the couples up, which is why I think one of the things that'll happen is they'll move Naomi back to SmackDown. Once touring starts, because like yeah, right now it doesn't matter. Starts, yeah, right now it doesn't. Yeah, right matter. now it doesn't matter. But once touring starts, I think they may quietly move Naomi back to SmackDown, so that her and Jimmy don't get uh, split. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think Karrion Cross is main roster bound as well. I don't think he fits in with the the kind of style of of uh, NXT. He's, he's very much a Vince guy for me. Yeah, you know, if I thought that Vince would go all in on Adam Cole, I would just say, you know, what's there left for Adam Cole to do and send him up there? But I'm just so worried that Vince is going to fuck mm-hmm. that all the way up. So I'm just yeah. like, just leave him in Orlando, just let him do his thing. Greg, Greg has said for a couple years now, if 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 Adam Cole was six three, he would be the biggest thing in WWE, hands down. No one would <laughs> even be close. <laughs> Yeah, I just, you know, Vince's little guy bias is, like, really unfortunate sometimes. And, I mean, I get it in certain instances. You know, like, even I can't take Marco Stunt seriously. I don't dis- I don't hate no, him for what he th- does. That, that's I, the totally other end of the scale, though. I mean, the well, dude's no, that's what I'm saying. No, but that's what I'm saying. Like, there are certain times where I see his size argument, and I'm just like, okay, yeah, I get it. You're right. I do struggle to take this dude seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, Marco Stunt is one of many reasons that I wish intergender wrestling was more normalized because like Marco Stunt against the women, I think provides a much more like believable matchup and like potentially more interesting matchup. Um, But like him in the ring against literally any male superstar, I'm just kind of like, man, I support you for living your dream, but like, I cannot believe this at all. (laughs) Um, but there are other times like with Adam Cole where I see Vince's bias and I'm just like, dude, this guy has literally everything. Yeah. Literally everything. But then you put him in a ring with Drew McIntyre or you put him in a ring with Roman Reigns and Vince is going to look and go, Jesus, he's so small. Right. It doesn't, he's not going to like it. People don't understand. Shawn Michaels was six, one. 
225 mm-hmm. pounds, like 240 at a time, right? You know, uh, and the, the greatest thing to ever wrestle in a wrestling ring, maybe besides Ric Flair. Uh, but yeah, I don't, I, it's just not going to happen. That's why they're down in NXT. How many times, how many times literally on all of the chair shot radio network shows has everybody gone? When is undisputed era coming up to the main roster? I don't think ever. The only ones that I've ever, no, the only ones that I've ever thought were going to go up to the main roster. I thought O'Reilly and strong would go as a tag team because Mm -hmm. you can get away with being short as a tag team because you're a fucking tag team. Oh, oh, um, fish, oh, fish and O'Reilly. Well, I think well, if no, Fish would have stayed healthy, they could have done that. I think they would have done that, number one. But then when Fish got hurt and yeah. I saw the chemistry that Strong and O'Reilly already had and they're closer to the same age, I was just like, oh, you got a lot more legs if you send Roddy and Kyle up as a tag team than you do if you send Kyle and Bobby up as a tag team. But, you know... They also fit in in the actual like main event of NXT, so like whatever. And, and going back to Tony's point of like how we all clamored for uh, undisputed era to go up to main roster, Triple H killed them off rather than let Vince get his hands on them because <laughs> he like, knew he knew up. what was coming. This I'll break this up. This is gonna get too hot. I'm just gonna break this up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just break this up and I'll I'll tell Cole that he can have a WrestleMania match with McAfee at some point and that'll be my thanks. But all in all, I do think we're going to get some call-ups, um, uh, especially going uh, coming into SummerSlam. I think we're going to get a few. I don't think we're going to uh, refill the the roster that we've had cut, but we'll certainly uh, get some because there's, people forget there's a whole other generation in the P in the PC right now, people who are going to be huge there stars in the next someone, four or five years. There recommend someone be switched to SmackDown who's currently just being used on main event and desperately needs a change of scenery because like everything about what he's previously been doing just like turned to ashes. Mustafa Ali. Can can we quietly put Mustafa Ali on SmackDown and just like he can stay a heel. He can go back to being a face. I don't care what you do with him creatively as long as it's something different. Let's let's just, you know, very quietly forget that whole retribution thing and the way that they, like, totally went nowhere with that and, like, get this incredibly talented man a fresh start who also appeals to this diverse audience that we've talked about they need to appeal to because he's legitimately a good human being. I mean, the thing is, you could say that about a handful of of amazing wrestlers. Angel Garza, absolutely outstanding wrestler, doing absolutely nothing with him. Uh, What? Ray's favorite, Humberto Carrillo. Garza's been sticking roses up people's, you know, trousers. That's that's been entertaining, right? (laughs) You've got me there. That is one thing. He should turn around (laughs) after he does it. He should turn around and go, and next time, you get the thorns. <laughs> now that would, I, I would don't pop. mess with the rose if you pop. don't want the thorns. <laughs> I would pop. Uh, I, I, yeah, that's it. Pop your resume. Ray, you're unmuted yourself. Unmuted. Well, I'm on a I'm on a work call right now, um, and man, it's just been crazy. Ray, so. you unmuted yourself. We can hear you. He, he saw. <laughs> We're totally leaving that in. He's to, like he better. 
He better leave that. He's in. got final say. I know he'll cut it out, the bastard. Um. Anyway, um. No, I agree with both of y'all though. I think PC's right. I think it won't necessarily be as many people being called up as much as it'll just be people that they've already got like being used more. Can I run one last idea by you guys? I've thought about this and how WWE does like the the draft and everything else, right? Why yeah. can't they just do a draft for the main rosters from NXT? And you can do it after WrestleMania, after the NFL draft. You can do it the next you can do it the next night on Monday night after the NFL draft is done here in America and you have something that carries people into another draft. That way when Raw and SmackDown have a pay-per-view, you can actually wrestle have a match that means something like, "Ooh, we get the first pick from NXT." And then after SummerSlam or in between then and Survivor Series, you have matches between Raw and SmackDown to see who gets first trade options. Okay, I mean, the trade, uh, I, I like that. The NXT one, I think there would be an issue in WWE trying to break away from NXT being a feeder, uh, being a developmental. If if the whole aim of, of a series of matches is to have first pick from NXT, that's the definition of it being a de- developmental yeah, yeah but I would what, agree with that. Whether or not they want to say it, it is though. Why no, don't they just don't. come out and say what it is? I mean, you could you and you could end up getting MLW added to that too. You could have a feeder for each brand. Or evolve. Evolve. Yeah. I forgot about all that. <laughs> um all right, gentlemen, is there anything that we missed? I mean, there's probably a lot of shit that we missed, but is there anything that we missed that's worth talking about? I I don't think we've even heard the last of this yet. I think they they may still be potentially cut uh, coming, Probably. and I think if there is a sale, I think it'll be swift. I think we'll we'll literally hear about it, and it happens within within that time. Or if not, uh, I think it'll revert to what uh, Tony said earlier. It'll be a massive uh, kind of like. Um, uh, reissuing of stock because I know I think was it Trips and Steph that sold like forty five percent of their stock recently. Uh, Vince's uh, future sold some of his stock um, for for like eighty million. So that is a potential that could happen. And it Shane, could, it could be a. And Shane mm. sold some stock for an eight ball, so you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, you so, know, Shane's got to keep that habit going. Cocaine, that cocaine's not going to buy itself. Tell of a drug. <laughs> It just, just goes in half of uh, on a, a bag with a Tony Khan. I mean, you know, the, th- the I'm glad you brought that up. It's just, it's, <laughs> it's a common habit among billionaire sons. And what's crazy about both of their coke habits is like, they are both so obviously coked out. Like, like it's so obvious to anybody who has ever seen someone who's done cocaine before. It's just like, whoa, man. How much coke are you on? On behalf of the chair shot, we say allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) Dave Ungar would appreciate that, Max. I mean, rumor. Rumor has The word on the eyeball street is. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. (laughs) Uh, But anyway, no, gentlemen, seriously, thank y'all so much for um joining me on such short notice bailing us out um pc i'm gonna go to you first this time go ahead and tell everybody 
Because yours only takes like two minutes. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, yeah, that's why. <laughs> so, PC, go ahead and get your plugs out. Tell everybody where they can find you and all of those fun things. I am going to shill for the chair shot. Uh, head on over to Pro Wrestling. Head on over to ProWrestlingTees.com forward slash the chair shot. Pick yourself a chair shot t-shirt up. It makes you look more aesthetically pleasing. Makes a great gift as well. I guarantee it. Chairshot Radio Network, all your favorite streaming devices, uh, services, platforms, and thechairshot.com, where we encourage you to live life the chairshot way by always using your head. You can find me at PC Tunney on Twitter and Facebook. If you don't know what shows I'm on, just pick up the Chairshot Radio Network, and I guarantee you'll find me somewhere. He's on a lot of them. Um, thanks again, buddy. And Mags, go ahead and tell them about your plethora of content. Wow. Are you actually counting me down, really? Yeah, we're counting you down like Giannis Antetokounmpo shooting a free throw. You got 10 seconds. <laughs> no, okay, he's so timing. First of all, I'm on Twitter at PodfatherBanks. I changed it to the to the gimmick name now. Uh, but, yeah, I'm all over the, the chair shot. Uh, with five rounds with my son, Coswell, we talk UFC on um, Midweek Mainstay slash Head Trauma with a young Ray Cash, uh, where we just shoot the shit about all topics wrestling and then now on Mondays on uh, a change in attitude where we are going back towards the attitude era of, of, of uh, WWF and we're looking at it through 2021 hours so me, Tana and Aura all have different viewpoints of, of the attitude era and we're all bringing like a, a fresh new take on it and and hopefully you'll, uh, you'll enjoy it as much as we're enjoying making it Yes, y'all check out all of this amazing content that all of our wonderful family puts out there. And, um, oh, Brother Ray, you're back? What do you want? You're not even supposed to be here. Uh, look, you added me. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> I just want to say this real quick. First and foremost, from the sincerest part of my soul, thank both of you for looking out for me these past two days. If you guys don't know... I'm fighting a couple of asthma attacks I've had over the past couple of weeks, um, among some other family traumas that have been happening all week. So I just I appreciate you guys looking out for me. When I say last minute, literal last minute, I reached out to Mags three hours before the show yesterday. Easily was happy to jump on. I reached out to Tony late last night and Mags first thing this morning for today. I love you guys for my soul. Thank you. Kyle, you know, I always love you. The other thing I wanted to yeah. say was I'm very disappointed on how this week has worked because today is the first show we're doing in Pride Month, and I had a plan to surprise you, Kyle. I was oh. going to do every every episode this month, and I'm still going to do it starting next week, with a special kind of retrospective of the history of LGBTQ wrestling. And I really wanted to kind of oh. take a few minutes out um, because by large, of all of the cultures that have ever been in wrestling, the LGBTQ community has been the least under the least the most underserved. And so with this month that uh, it's a big deal to me, and I know it's a big deal to my brother Kyle, and it's a big deal to us, us at the chair shot, I wanted to mm -hmm. kind of shine a light on um, a world that needs more. So next week you'll get more in depth of that. It's gonna be a surprise to you, but I mean, Aww. can't surprise you if I can't breathe. So 
Well, no, I need you to breathe. I need you to breathe. But I will take over for you because I know you like it when I do the plugs anyway. So Rance can't breathe, but when he can breathe, you can find him on Twitter at It's Ray Cash, R-E-Y as in Mysterio, C-A-S-H as in dollars. I can't breathe, but my fingers work. That's true. That is true. Um, you can find our other missing bro- our other missing brother, Mr. Carl Irvin, on Twitter at OutsiderCurvin, K-E-R-V-I-N. You can find me on Twitter at Dr. S'mores. You can find the show on Twitter at Outsiders Edge CS. Um, and of course, we are part of the Chairshot Media Network, where as PC already instructed you, we in- would invite you to always use your head. Um, and as always, y'all, we here at the Outsiders Edge are just some increasingly less young gentlemen doing everything we can trying to make it in this world. And sometimes we're going to hit you with some hard truths, like everything has a price, y'all. Vince told you himself. And other times we're going to hit you with some, you know, things you need to hear, like Double or Nothing was a pretty good show and you should check it out. Um, Other than the Cody part, you can skip that. Fuck him. Um, But no matter what, y'all, we're just out here chasing our dreams. And you've got to respect that. Because... Here in a quarantine on the Outsider's Edge, we just do not, have not, and will not give a fuck. Welcome. Thanks for listening. Catch y'all next time.